screen, but for 18 times we've been having a, a little look at the life of, of David, the shepherd boy. Um, we've reminded ourselves that uh, Samuel came and anointed him to be king, chosen as the youngest boy uh, in a family and left out in the fields, was not really even considered to be a possible king. He then, after the anointing, found himself being chased by the incumbent king who was Saul, who was jealous of David because he had conquered Goliath and he'd made him one of his commanders and he'd become a victorious commander. And so Saul got very jealous of David. And for seven years we found him being chased through the wilderness, hiding in caves. The cave of Adullam was one of those caves and other caves were there. And so for seven years he's running saying, God, what are you doing? You anoint me as king and then I'm chased and, I'm, and he gets to the place where he's so down and he's so fed up with this, he thinks, well, this is never going to happen. So we find that little phrase that we looked at last week, he thought for himself and he decided to go and live among the Philistines, the enemies of the Israelites. In that time he was making some bad decisions. We found, find him massacring people and, and I don't think he was hearing God. David was not, not listening to God at that stage. And for another 14 months or so, he's now living in Ziklag, a place which was a Philistine enclave. And he's with King Achish. And Achish goes out to fight against the Hebrews. And David was ready to even fight against his own people. He's not allowed to do that. And he finds himself uh, being sent back. And when he gets back to Ziklag, he finds that all of his family, as well as the family of the 600 fighting men who were with him, had been captured. And so he goes chasing, having listened to God, and we found that little verse there, that when he was at his lowest there, when his men were due to stone him because of uh, the situation he found himself in, he strengthens himself in the Lord. Anybody apart from me knows that we need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord on a regular basis. But it gets David to rock bottom before he realises that. He'd stopped listening to God, he'd stopped inquiring of God. And so what happens that, then, that particular battle, we find that Saul, uh, the, the incumbent king, fights against the Philistines. And at that stage, after all these years, eight and a half years or thereabouts, Saul is eventually killed by the Philistines. And so there's no longer any king on the throne of Israel. And David goes to back to God and he says, God, is it time now? You anointed me all those years back. And he does what he should have done a lot more often in his life. He inquires of God. And God says, yeah, go back. Go back to Hebron. So just, just start going back to your people. And when he goes back to Hebron, he's anointed by his own tribe of Judah. Now that is the second time that David's been anointed. He's been anointed, number one, by uh, Samuel in front of his family. Number two, he's anointed in front of his tribe, Judah. And then a little later on, because the battle between the family of Saul and the, and the family of David, his fighting men, still rages on. And it's a little while later that he's anointed a third time. Now, if you know, I've reminded you before now, that the only people in the Old Testament who were anointed were kings, priests and prophets. Anointed by the sense of oil was put on their head. And they were anointed into a special position. Kings, priests and prophets. I find it very interesting in, in the New Testament in Peter, we find that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and we're there to declare the words of God. In other words, we are a royal, we're kings, if you're unaware of that, the fact you're anointed to rule in the face of your enemies. 
We are anointed to be overcomers. We are kings. Uh, we're not some little nobody out there and, 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 and no, no little gospel worm. I'm a nobody. You're not a nobody. You're a prince. You're a king. You can call me King Killick when you shake hands afterwards. I'm quite happy. Because we are royalty. God looks upon us with a speciality. And we're not just a, 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 a royalty in that sense. We're kings and priests. All very well. It's nice to have the Pope coming and I'm not knocking him and what have you. But there isn't a special little group called priests. John and I are not your priests. You are a priest. If you're a Christian, we're all priests. You all have access to God. You all have the job of bringing God to man. We're not a specialised group. This is not volunteer Sunday, but we're all in the same position. We're just a, uh, given an anointing to teach and preach and lead, maybe. But your anointing is different. We're kings and priests. And we're also prophets, because that verse in Peter says we're, we're there to proclaim the words of God. In other words... The same anointing on kings, priests and prophets are on us as New Testament. New Testament talks about it. You have the anointing. Uh, there's some verses in, the, in your, your notes that talk about the anointing. So there we have it. And I'm saying to you that I want the anointing of God. Anybody into that? I want the anointing of God. And when David stood in front of his family and was personally anointed, I say, God, I may have been a minister for 35 years, but there's something inside of me that says, I want more of your anointing today than I've ever had. I'm telling you, I be, I'm passionate for, for God to anoint my ministry. I'd love to say in the name of Jesus, we sang, what was the first song we sung, Ruth? Um, uh, show your power, O oh God. Anybody in for that, Lord? Show your power, Lord. I want the anointing for the power of God to be seen in our society. So yes, I want to be individually anointed, but when David is anointed in, in his tribe of Judah, I want our church to be anointed. I want it to be noised abroad, whether we grow anymore or not, that's not the issue. God adds to the church those who should be saved. But I want it noised abroad that this is a place where prayer is answered. I want it noised abroad that you come to that place, you have a happy time, you enjoy the stuff, but when you walk out, you know you've met with God. Who wants that? There were some of those ladies who came last night and yes, we had a, a real laugh and it was a real time of fellowship, great food and what have you. But let me tell you this, some of them walked out and said there was something else there. And we want people to walk in these doors and feel the presence of God, the anointing amongst the body here. And then of course, David was later on anointed among the whole, the, the whole nation of Israel. Who knows we want our nation to be anointed again. I personally believe that what was being said by the Pope or whoever it is, it's, uh, I think he's right. I think we are a godless society. I think there is rampant paganism in our nation today. And uh, I don't agree with all of that stuff that the, that, that the Catholics talk about, but let me tell you this, they're right. We have become a godless nation and we need the anointing on our nation. So are you with me so far? Anybody say you want the personal anointing of God? You want God to anoint you in a fresh way? And, that, and your preacher this morning is on the front row for that. We want our church to be anointed, but we also want our nation to be anointed. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then God will hear from heaven. Then he will heal their land. Our land needs healing. And our land will be healed when individuals like you and me walk out in the power of the Holy Spirit and become salt and light. We've discarded the things that cause us uh, to be dragged down by Satan. And we've gone out and we've decided that God, we are going to walk in the anointing. You have the anointing. And the anointing remains. New Testament verses you'll see in your notes. Go out in the power of the anointing. 
We're concluding our series of, in David. Now, we haven't anywhere got anywhere near through the life of David. We will return to him probably next year. But today, at least, we're going to see him become king over part of Israel. 2 Samuel chapter 2 is our reading. Perhaps you can just read it, just a few verses. And we're going to see David actually taking the throne over part of Israel. It's going to be a little while before he's uh, dealt with the rest of the, 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 the Saul's uh, family and what have you who, who still want to put one of their, them, them folks on the, on the throne. But in the course of time, David inquired of the Lord. In the previous chapter, we find that King Saul has been killed in the fat battle against the Philistines. And so he asked, God, shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah? And he asked, he asked and, they, and the Lord said, go up. And David asked, where shall I go? To Hebron. God can be very specific when you actually take time to ask him. The Lord answered. So David went up there with his two wives, Ahanoam and Je- of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of, of Carmel. We looked at that story. David also took the men who were with him, each with his family, and they settled in Hebron and its towns. Then the men of Judah came to Hebron there, and they anointed David king over the house of Judah. That was the second anointing. Later on he's going to be anointed king over the whole of Israel. Now how am I going to conclude this series? You know that we're not necessarily, we haven't necessarily exegetically gone through every verse or every chapter. We've missed little bits out there. We will return. And for those of you who are desperate, we will talk about him and Bathsheba at some future stage. But not yet, okay? That will be in the second half of our series. Okay, that's when he's become king and he gets a little bit lazy. How many know you can get a bit lazy? And you can get a little bit blasé with the things of God. And when you do, the devil is there quick enough to take you out of the, out of the race. He that thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Take on the whole armour of God. But then I'm almost preaching Bathsheba there, aren't I? So we've got to be... So how are we going to conclude our, our little 18-week series on David? Well, let's just have a little review. If David has been anointed, can I ask the question, Lord, for myself, never mind about the congregation, and if the preacher can't preach to himself, he can't preach to anyone. Lord, how can I stay under the anointing? What, over those last 18 weeks of series, can I... A couple of simple lessons that I can draw out, that I can stay under your anointing, Lord. I've drawn out four simple lessons from David. Number one, David took time to review. Number two, he, t- he stayed close to respond. Number three, he bent low to repent. And number four, he was quick to rejoice. Take time to review. We find that David was constantly inquiring of the Lord. When he didn't, as he didn't last time in our last uh, sermon, he ended up in a mess. And the wisest bit of counsel I can ask you to consider this morning is take time to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it does take time. And it does require for you to be still and know that he is God. It does require that you take a little bit of effort and time and cut out in your very busy schedule. Some of you have got more than one job. Some of you are working all hours that God gives. But somewhere in your your week, take time to inquire of the Lord. We find that David did that on more than one occasion. One story that we haven't actually got round to reading, but I, find it, I found it particularly encouraging to myself. It's in chapter 5 of, chapter, of 2 Samuel. We're not going to read it, but let me just tell you what happens. What happens is that David, again and again, was in conflict with one nation or, or another, usually the Philistines. And the Philistines were coming up against David. What had happened was, Saul has been killed, David has now been anointed to be king, 
And because of that, the Philistine says, we better sort this David out straight away. So they, ga- they gather their whole army to come against David. You can read it in your leisure, at your leisure. Because they want to get rid of this young king. And David inquires of God. And God says, go and sort them out, David. Now, very rarely, in any, mo- in any, any warfare, is, is the battle won with one battle. It's usually a string of battles. Certainly on the Battle of Britain, we've been looking at that in our history on the television. It was usually one battle after another. And so that was happening with the Philistines. And on this particular occasion, David listens to God and he wins the battle. The Philistines, a little while later, regroup. And rather than David just going in there saying, well, we won last time, come on boys, let's go and sort these Philistines out. We find in chapter 5 this little phrase that David inquired of the Lord again. He doesn't take things for granted. He realises that it's not every other day with Jesus, it's every day with Jesus. That it's worthwhile talking to him on a regular basis. And this second time, same time, same period of history, the Philistines have regrouped and David says, Lord, what should we do this time? I love this little phrase, it may not bless you, but it blessed me in the early charismatic days when God was pouring out his spirit in the 70s. There was a song came out of this story. Some of you may are old enough to remember of it. But the story was that God says to David, don't go out against them front ways. I want you to go round the side and come at them from the side. And when you hear the going of a sound in the mulberry trees, in some versions it says a marching, then you know it's time for you to attack. So David has listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he realises that God's sign to attack the Philistines this second time, same sort of a battle, is when the wind blows in the tops of these trees, these mulberry trees. We used to sing, does anybody remember? I hear the sound of rustling in the leaves of the trees. The Spirit of the Lord has come down on the earth. The church that seemed in slumber has now risen from its knees. The dry bones are responding with the fruits of new birth. The chorus was, my tongue shall be the pen of a ready writer. And I'm saying, God, this is today. You're not moving the same way that you did when I was first saved, when I was first baptised in the Spirit. Even, Lord, when I was totally involved in the charismatic move and we were in the house church and all sorts of other stuff. You were moving then, Lord. But, Lord, it's not yesterday's faith, it's now faith which pleases God. And I need to have the voice of the Holy Spirit today saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. For this church... We need to be listening to the voice of the Spirit so that we need to know what, where God is leading us today. Thank God for the, those folks who, who've led in times past, but today, God is saying something. There's a sound of the going in the mulberry trees. Will anyone agree with me, please? Let me tell you, there's a sound of the going of the mulberry trees in our children's work. There's a sound of the going of the mulberry trees in our youth work. There's some good things. There's a sound of the going in the mulberry trees in our worship team. I think we're beginning to get there, folks. We're not there yet. (laughs) But I tell you what, when we get up into heaven, you touch heaven in worship, you will not be the same. There's a sound of the going in the mulberry trees in our administration and our our Kevin and and, and those folks who are involved with the management team. Thank God that 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 happened. Why didn't we do it earlier? So much work is no longer on my plate. There's a... Yes, it's very selfish. Very selfish. Do I care? I don't care. Let me tell you this, 
when the body is working, functioning together, no one needs to be stressed out their heads. Does anyone understand what I mean? When we're all functioning and everybody's doing what we should be doing, then there should be peace. In the valley. Sorry, sorry, that was... uh, Sorry. Listen, folks. There's a sound of the going in the mulberry trees today. God, who believes God's at work today? And he's not just in working, uh, working, forgive me folks, he's not just at work in Africa, though he is mightily. But I want a a bit of it in England. Is that okay? I want a bit of it here. Okay. Okay, I've heard, Lord, I've heard with my ears, Job, I've heard with my ears what you've done, Lord, but now I see with my eyes. I want to see with my eyes what God is doing today. And however long you've been on the Christian road, I pray that there's a stirring in your spirit that says, God, I want the anointing that you've got for me today. And I want to be more effective today. Sammy, when you go to university, you've got an anointing on your boy. And I'm telling you, you get from number day one, you get involved with that church, you get involved with the Christian union or whatever, and you take that anointing from this church and, you, and you, the blessing of God. And Lee, sitting, sitting there, I know you're just going to Coventry, you'll be with us. But you take the anointing of God with you. Because we are carriers we are carriers of the anointing. You can take the anointing back to Scotland because they blessed need it. All right, so. <coughs> now, where was I? Amen. Okay, someone said amen. Second point, okay? Second point. The first point, take time to listen. Take time to review. Second point, stay close to respond. Stay close to respond. David is in a cave. He's in more than one cave. He's been in Cave of Adullam. He's been in more than one cave. Caves are dark places. Sometimes they're depressing places. Caves are places where you, you don't want to live in a cave. But in olden days in there, the caves were very important. I listed a few verses where caves made a, a significant part in the history of, of individuals and, and nations. It may well be that someone here is in a cave. And I want to tell you there's two reasons you can be in a cave. A place of darkness, a place where, you're not up to, where, you're not, where things don't seem to be working out as they should be. Let me tell you the basic two reasons why Christians end up in a cave. The first reason is that you've sinned. You've done something stupid. You didn't repent of it. You're foolishly hanging on to your pride. And you haven't got right with God and you find yourself in a cave. Anyone been in that cave apart from me? You bunch of liars. Come on, put your hand up. Okay. You've all been there. All right? Some stage or other, you did something stupid, you didn't apologise or you didn't forgive or something. You end up being in a miserable cave. The next reason, and by the way, God has the same purpose for both of those caves. The next reason is you've done absolutely nothing wrong. You've listened to the voice of the Spirit, you've walked in obedience, but somehow or other you still find yourself up in a cave or down in a cave. And David was in that situation. All he's done was be anointed by Samuel. <clears throat> All he's done is kill Goliath and won a few battles and he finds himself running to the cave of Adullam. Let me tell you, whether you're in a cave for your own stupidity and independence or you're in a cave because you're just walking with God and there's no disobedience in your heart, God's got the same purpose. And the purpose is he wants to reroute your life. Wants to give you new plans, new vision, new purpose. And sometimes he has to remove you from the busyness of life to put you in what seems to you to be a dark place. But what is really happening in the spirit is that God is moulding your character. 
He's forming you again into the image of Christ. So that when you leave that cave, you're re- you've, be- you've been trained to reign. David was all this seven, eight, eight and a half years, was training for him to eventually get on the throne and reign. Reigning. Training for reigning. That's what this series really has been all about. But for that to happen, you've got to be listening to the voice of the Spirit. You've got to say, God, what are you doing in my life at this present moment? Why is it that things are or are not being blessed? Listening to the voice of the Spirit is another little story, which we haven't covered, but later on in the chapter of David, where David is constantly on the run. He's in one of these caves and he's just, he's just sitting down with his friends. He's just, it, well actually they're not friends. These are some of the folks in the cave of Adullam who were discontents. He's now turned them into mighty warriors. They're called mighty men. They weren't mighty men before David got, got, got hold of them. But he's just sitting there. He said, oh dear God, this fighting. I wish I could have... I, he's from Bethlehem. He, he, he was born in Bethlehem, you know. He's a type of Christ. He's just, he's just whispering. He's not, he's not saying, oh, he's not yelling. He's just whispering. He's saying, oh, I wish I could have a drink at the well of Bethlehem. Well, he can't because the Bethlehem is overrun by the Philistines. He's running from them. He's running from Saul. If I could only have a, a drink, if only I could be back in Bethlehem and have a drink, if only there was a bit of peace in my life. Well, there's three of his people, his mighty men, who are now mighty, who overhear the whisper of David. Without telling him, they up and get up and go through the fighting lines of the Philistines into Bethlehem. They draw a a, a, a pitcher of water, come back through the fighting lines of the Philistines and bring it to King David. The point of my story here is that they were close enough to David to hear his whisper, to hear his heart, to hear his longing, to hear his desire. Now, I ask myself as I ask you, am I near enough to God to tune in, to listen to what he wants for my life, what he wants for my church. I will hopefully respond by faith, but the key in this particular point, stay, uh, take time to review, but stay close to respond. I need to stay close enough to God in what we used to call the quiet time. Anyone remember what a quiet time was? That's, you actually turn the radio off then, and the television I visit some homes, and you go and visit them, they, they keep the television on. No one here. Maybe. Do you know what I mean? You go and visit them, they keep the television on. You want to slap them, don't you? You want to throw the telly through the window or whatever. You know, I'm here, Stop, turn the telly off. But sometimes we've got noise hitting us in the car, everywhere. Everybody's got to be noise. Turn it off and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Stay close to respond. Quickly, those last two points... I did tell the Sunday school that we were just running five or ten minutes over time, so that's fine. Hearing God's voice. Just stay there with a the cave before we go on to the third point. Are you in a cave this morning? Don't automatically assume that you're there because you've sinned. It may well be God puts you in the cave because he wants to redirect your life. It may not be because of your own fault. It may well be that God's got a different plan and purpose and he's working that plan out. Don't thrash around and blame the devil and blame this and blame the Christian that hurt you. I'm in a cave and oh, woe is me. Tune in to the voice of the Spirit. Say, God, what is it you're trying to teach me while I'm here in the cave? Third point. 
bend low to repent. You know the story, if I've, I've mentioned when I first started this series, that Saul and David both had a similar anointing. Not similar, it's almost exactly when you read what happens when God called King David and when God called King Saul, the same thing happens. <coughs> they, they're anointed. <coughs> excuse, excuse me, they start prophesying and all sorts of wonderful things happen. The Spirit of God comes upon them. And when we get round to finishing David's story, you will find that David did more sinning than Saul. We're going to find him lying and cheating and killing and committing adultery and all sorts of stuff. He is a naughty boy. Like some of us. And yet God calls David a man after his own heart. Saul, in the previous chapter, the one we've just read here, Saul is now, has just committed suicide. Before then, he's, he's gone and approached a witch at Endor and he's consulted mediums. He's ended up in a mess. And for, for the, he's bipolar for the last, you know, ten years of his life. You laugh, but it's true. You read his story. He's up one minute and down the next. I tell you, this, this man has lost it big time. By the way, if you are suffering from that, it doesn't mean to say you're a sore. Because that's a sickness that needs to be dealt with and sometimes you need to go to a doctor. But as far as Saul is concerned, he was there because of his disobedience. And yet David sins more and yet right to the end of the life of his life he's still called a man after God's own heart. Why? Let me tell you the secret. The secret is keeping short accounts with God. The secret is being quick to repent. The secret is saying sorry to God. The secret is not hiding sin in your heart. The secret is not holding bitterness in your heart. The secret is not holding unforgiveness. He could have killed Saul on several occasions, but he's not. He's forgiven him. If you're carrying unforgiveness, if you're, if you're blaming God or circumstances, give it to God. <clears throat> he is bending low to repent on a regular basis. And we read that in his Psalms. And you read Psalm after Psalm after Psalm. You'll see how he, he talks to himself and he, 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 comes, he comes to God and he bends low. He was quick to repent. You're holding anything that's dragging you down. If ever there was a man that could have had a go at God and had a, and had a pity party, and we've all had a pity party, woe is me, poor me, everybody loves me, everybody hates me, nobody loves me, think I'll go and eat worms, that kind of stuff, you know. David could have done that because he's running for his life. But he doesn't. He bends low to repent. Finally, my final thoughts for this particular part of the series in David's life, which we will then develop at another time, he's now going to actually be anointed as king, as part of the... We find that in every circumstance, David manages to turn the hardest times into an opportunity and a reason to praise. You just need to read his Psalms. Two of the Psalms that he wrote when he was in that very low place in... in, um, in the caves, Psalm 57 and Psalm 34. You've heard me mention Psalm 34 where, you, where he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will boast in the Lord. And he goes on and on about how he's going to praise God. And you think he must have been truly on his high place then. He must have been hyper. You know, he must have been on the whatever he must have been on. Right? Whatever they had in those days. But he wasn't. You read the title of the psalm and it's that, that's when he feigned madness against, uh, against what was his name? Um, 
found he was acting mad in front of um, someone or other anyway. Come on, help me. Someone. Someone, someone like that anyway. He's, he's acting like a madman. And he's run for his life to the Cape of Adullam. And it's there when he's at his lowest or one of the, one of the several places that he's low. He says, I'm going to bless God. I will bless the Lord at all times. Psalm 57, again, one of those places where he's really low. He says, I will give thanks. I will sing praise. Instead of self-centeredness, he's praising God. Ben, will you join me, please? Folks, what's my overall lesson this morning? My overall lesson is I want the anointing of God. And I'm sure you do as well. You see the communion table is here. You are aware of the fact that we're just a little bit over time. Communion's going to take about seven minutes. If you have to go, you have to go. Let me tell you, the dedication that I took in Africa, in Ghana, just the dedication took three hours. <laughs> so if we've gone ten minutes over time, please bear with me. David, get to the communion service. Will you come to this table? If you're able to stay for another seven minutes, we will serve you communion. We thank you, Jesus that nothing is too bad that we can't ask your forgiveness. If you've come to church this morning, you need forgiveness, join the club, we all do. We thank you for the Lord for this bread and this wine. Thank you for the reminder that it gives us of Jesus dying on a cross. It could well be, we've got more visitors in this morning, it could well be that you need to say sorry for your sin. Please start serving the service. And it's as simple as saying, God, will you forgive me? Will you come into my life? Will you change me from within? That's the beginning of your spiritual journey. For those of us who've been on the spiritual journey for a long time, we're saying, God, I don't want anything to hinder the anointing of your spirit on my life, so please keep me, help me to keep short accounts with you. I repent of anything, Lord. And incidentally, before we sing this song, and serve, we'd stay seated and the service will service. When we've said our final amen, which will be in a couple of minutes, if you'd like to receive prayer, maybe you're in a cave. Vacate this front row. Come and sit on the front row. And our ministry team will pray for you. If you're not saved, come and sit on the front row. We'll talk to you about Jesus. If you want healing, we want the anointing of healing. Come and sit on the front row. We'll pray with you. Lead us, please, as we receive communion.
Jesus says, if, if a man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And that is going to be um, this evening's service. And Barry's going to preach from Isaiah 55. But I really believe that God wants us to reconnect with him as the source. Allow Jesus' living water to flow over you.